Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line in the Season Party. I am your host, Chris Marshall. Um, I'm in Madrid, as we were recording this just now, but I still have Campbell Felicity with me. Uh, Campbell, I know you're in Kilmarnock today. Are you back in Glasgow just now? Yeah, I'm back in Glasgow after a, an interesting, sort of a busy day and a very wet Kilmarnock, but I'm back home now. And uh, yeah, I can yourself in Spain, you do. Well, I can confirm it was really wet in Madrid earlier on as well, but it's, it's going to dry out soon, which is good. And we have some bonus bonus content. We also have Stuart Mitchell with us just now, who's uh, coming from coming from us at uh, Starbucks in Dundee. How are you doing, Stuart? I'm good, thank you. I think you need to say that other coffees are available or other coffee chains or whatever the, the tagline is when you see a, a brand name like that. But no, I'm good. I've just been um, out and about today trying to find some well, something to do myself now that the women's season is over. So... We'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, I have decided that to end off the women's season, I'm going to go to Madrid and go to see Atletico Femenino. But uh, on your point about coffee, Stuart, uh, Starbucks is OK. Tim Hortons is in my bad books. I asked for a gingerbread latte the other day and I didn't get one and I'm really annoyed about it still, but we'll move on. So it's the end of the season. Um, but you know who's won the leagues. Uh, Glasgow City won SWPL1. Uh, Hearts have won SWPL2. And also Aberdeen, Queen's Park are both coming up to join our expanded SWPL2 next season. We also, uh, last week of when we were recording it just now, um, we had SWF Awards. And I thought it'd be, before we get into our personal awards, and we've gone so we've some from sort of different categories, um, I thought it'd be quite good to just kind of recap those. And I'll start with you, Campbell, and I'll start with SWPL1 Player of the Year, Jamie Lee Napier. He scored 15 goals this season in the league. I think it's probably a category that you could make arguments for everybody. So at the end of the day, I don't think there's much debate to be had about Jay Lee's as a, as a winner. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, obviously she's Hibs main player, as we've discussed pretty much every week. She's always finding the net for them. And they've done well, obviously, to hold off Celtic and then to get the second place. Obviously, Glasgow City, as you mentioned, they are the, the team that have won the league and things like that. And there's a lot of players in there that could well have won it. Obviously, had a couple nominated, but... Yeah, I think Jamie Lee had another good season and is a deserving winner really of the award in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's definitely a player that anybody who's listening to this who's getting new to Scottish women's football definitely keep an eye on in the future. Uh, and SWPL2, Stuart, uh, Amy Anderson won the award, uh, Hamilton Academical cap- Captain. Um, again, I, I don't think you can really argue with it too much. Amy Anderson is a, a very key part of that Hamilton Academical side and I think she's had a pretty good season and again, probably, and I'd can get your thoughts, but you were thinking that maybe at the end of the day it'd be somebody from Hearts or Hamilton Academicals that would pick up that award at, at coming in season end. Yeah, I think that's the way it was looking. Um, obviously, everyone was looking at the end of the season in which way the league title was go to go, going to go, so you're going to think it's going to be a winner from one of those two sides, but they pushed each other all the way as well, and there was a lot of good talent in, in both sides, and sometimes you think maybe the, the player of the year for a league will go to the team that's won the league, but I think that just showed you with Amy Anderson winning it just how tight a, a fight it was at the top of SWPL2 this season. Yeah, absolutely. And and let's move on to the next one, which is the team of the year, Stuart, and I'll stay with you in this one. It's Glasgow City. Um, there was a couple of teams in there that I was a bit surprised at, if I'm being honest, but I think Glasgow City for their achievements domestically and what they've done in the Women's Champions League. We're not going to talk about that just now. This is end of season stuff. We'll maybe talk about that in the future. Um, I think Glasgow City was by the end of it, I think especially when you consider what happened in the Scottish Cup, probably the only choice. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, it's a, a really tough one because you, I, I don't know whether to take the, the Champions League into consideration or not. I mean, do you do that because it still follows into next season? So that's maybe a little newbie dilemma that I had for judging the, the, the last uh, few months of the season as well. But you know what, you can't argue with the way they won the title. There's a big gap between them, Hibs and Celtic at the moment as well. So if you put all the feats together and then claiming that Scottish Cup back, which is something that Scott Booth and Glasgow City have been trying so hard to do over the last few years, they got the job done this season. So again, you can totally see why they've been named as the team of the year. Yeah, and I mean, Campbell, Glasgow City named team of the year, uh, but Scott Booth also named coach of the year. Um, have you got any qualms with that at all? Or do you think that's probably fitting considering that his team have also won that award? Yeah, I think it's sort of obviously City just saying getting the award there and win everything they have done. Scott Booth's supposed to be the main man there. He's been the one in charge of it. Also, again, there's other contenders, obviously, like Sandy Enwood winning the SFPL2 and things like that with Hearts. But I think you know, probably deservedly in the end, again, for Scott Booth to pick up that award as well as obviously his side winning the team of the year. 
Yeah, I mean, there were some other big winners tonight. Aberdeen seemed to win pretty much anything going in SWFL 1. Uh, and Rachel Corsi won a Sporting and Academic Achievement Award in the memory of Kat Lindner. And there's also an award for Rose Riley because um, she's obviously been such a historical figure and an important, important part of the Scottish women's football revolution. But uh, pretty good night, Stuart. I think we all had a good time. And I think it's good to see that at the end of the season, everybody can come together and celebrate, celebrate a, a season like that, especially when it's been so significant in women's football. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I think another great thing about it is there was quite a few people there that you maybe not seen the face or the name of around the game in the last season. Um, and, and to see them and get speaking to them and, and just see that where this season in Scottish women's football was kind of reached at different corners and, and different people involved in the game. Um, I mean, certainly throughout the, throughout the entire awards night, there was a lot of people mixing. There was just a really good atmosphere to it and I think really promising because there's a lot there was a lot to be said with it coming on the back of a a break for the World Cup in the summer and that obviously did lift quite a bit of the profile of women's football in the summer months but there was a little bit of a lasting effect I thought just having a couple of conversations with people that it just seems to have brought a bit more momentum to it and with the season finishing now everyone's eyes are, are on the next sort of the start of next year and next season really enthusiastic about things starting up again so the break will be good but I, I think it's just a lot of positive signs at the end of the season. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're going to talk about some of the things we'd like to see at the, at next season later on in the podcast. But Campbell, I mean, let's get your take on it as well. It was a, it was a pretty good night. I, I know I ended up walking out with a bottle of red wine in my hand, but that's just me. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, a pretty good night. And I think, as, as Stuart says, it was great to see maybe some of the faces that you don't see week in, week out, kind of coming and making the effort to be there on that night. Yeah, I mean, obviously I came in the door not long after you and to be we find out that we were table 35. I was surprised it was that many and obviously ended up being, I think it was about 15 then, so it was great numbers for what was a good night. And like I said, I think we both actually left with bottles of red wine that we probably could have done without. But yeah, it was a very good night. Good to see some new faces there, as you're saying. And overall, it was a good way to end the year. Yeah, absolutely. We won't dwell on the red wine too much. Let's just say that your old dad had a hangover for two days um, and... Ah, it was probably worth it, so it's cool. Um, you can see the rest of the award winners on the SWF website, so go have a look at that. But now we're going to move on to the, the Lean the Line Alternative Awards. I can't come up with a better name than that. Um, we've got some categories. I've asked the boys to go away and have a wee think. I'm not going to lie, some of the categories I've picked and then I've got stuck and I'm not entirely sure what I'm still going to say at the moment. But we'll, we'll go through them one at a time and... Let's, let's just start with the very first one, which is Game of the Season. So what has been the best game of the season? And I'm going to give Stuart Mitchell the honours of starting this one off for us. Thank you, Chris. I think the best game of the season for me was a, was a nice, easy one when you look at the, the season overall and it's quite recent. And instead of running down my thought process and thinking of other close contenders, I'm just going to come out and say the headline, the one I've picked um, for game of the season so that I don't try and cross over one that yourself or Campbell might have picked. But got to start off uh, where we've ended in Glasgow City 4, Hibs 3 in the Scottish Cup final. It had all the drama. It had the venue. It had City clinching it in the last minute. It had goals back and forward. It had action end to end. And I might be doing it a little bit of a, a, a disjustice because you've got to look through a long league season. There was a lot of exciting competitive games in there as well. But when it came to Glasgow City against Hibs in a final and it to go the way it did, I think that hands down for me had to be my game of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think we were all debating about who's who's going to get to say that one. Um, and I think we were all trying to figure out what we'd say instead. So I think it's, it's really hard to, to, to not dwell on that game. Record attendance as well, obviously, and the, the way it finished, everything that it meant to both sides and how it was basically the two best sides in the country going head-to-head once again. It's an excellent choice, Stuart. I'm definitely not going to say that that is not the case. Campbell, what have you plumped for? Um, well, obviously that's a standout game, but I've, I knew someone else would say it. So I went for an alternative game, also finished 4-3 in October. Uh, we were both at it, Chris. It was a very cold night. Rangers beat Motherwell 4-3 um, at Hamill Training Centre. That's another one of these games that was going to back and forth. Rangers obviously got a few goals in front and then Jantel Brown was sent off. Motherwell came back into the game. Rangers went ahead again and then Mother will kept rolling goals back. So it's end to end. Rangers eventually win it, as I say. Um, and we also had that goal of the season um, to contend the Fadina Burma that night as well. So it was a certainly different game, but another one that I know we both enjoyed and it was certainly one of the better games of the SWPL one season. 
Yeah, I mean, that was a, as you're right to say, it was absolutely Baltic. But you're right to say it was a really enjoyable game. I think, I'm just going to, this isn't the game of picked, but I'm going to throw this one in there as well, which is the Rangers 3, uh, Motherwell 3 at Ravens, Craig, where Motherwell were 3-0 up with 10 minutes to go. And as when Amy Muir was still Rangers, she came on as a substitute and basically changed the game, made it finish 3 each. Maybe one of the best games to be in the season. But I'll tell you what, it's not as good as, it's not as good as Queen's Park 4, Hibernian Developmental 4. Um, towards the back end of the SWFL1 season, uh, Queen's Park needed a point to get uh, promoted to SWPL2. Um, I mean, this game had everything, not just in terms of actually what happened on the field, but also some of the peripherals round about it. The referee turned up 25 minutes late. The game between Renfrew and Birmingham, this will happen in Edinburgh, got postponed after 20 minutes because uh, the coach for Renfrew was sent off. Um, Hibernian took the lead Queen's Park came back Queen's Park took the lead then Hibernian took the lead it looked like it was all over it was 4-2 couple of minutes left to go and then Queen's Park scored two goals in injury time and it was a I tell you what see for a, a game that I wasn't entirely sure was going to happen it's maybe been the best uh, in terms of beating my expectations of what the game could be uh, yeah it was a fantastic game also by Queen's Park because of that I booked a place in the in SWPL2 next season and yeah I think that's 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 definitely another contender Stuart I think and I, I, I'm, I was going to ask but I think probably you you probably picked the, the one that I think we all thought of immediately and I think just because of everything round about it and do you think maybe because of the significance of it and what it meant and how the context of fans Scottish football I think maybe that's why that one will probably stand out and it'll stand the test of time a lot longer than maybe the other ones we've suggested. Yeah, I think so. And purely because I, I think it, it's kind of the way I see it just now, it could be a real turning point as well. And at the end of the season to go into your next season as well. And, and like I was saying earlier, there's people really enthusiastic about next season because of the kind of the coverage that, that some of the games have had this year. I think for it to happen between two teams who've been headlined to anyone it might even just know the slightest thing about women's football is the two heavyweights at the moment or in recent times and for it to swing the way it did for the for it to be at Tyne Castle as well like you said the record attendance I think there's just so many little signposts that kind of make it stick out but that's not to take away from a lot of the league games that were there because you mentioned I also had the the, the Motherwell Rangers one as well there was also was the 3-3 earlier in the season between the two and I even thought about City at Celtic back in April, where Celtic looked like they were maybe going to beat City for the an early shock to the season, but Glasgow City managed to come back and win it not that long before the break. So I think there was a, there was a lot of turning points and a lot of twists there and a lot of nearlies. But yeah, you're right. The, the final showcase has to stand out between City and Hibs. Yeah, and I mean, Campbell, the thing about it as well, I think the good thing about these games that we've referenced and the Stuarts had another couple to that as well is that. They've been entertaining, and I think, uh, and this is why I'm going to ask you this question, is I think sometimes the accusation put at women's football is it's not entertaining, it's not about, well, I'm not even entertaining the conversation of value for money, but it's not entertaining, it's not good football. Actually, these games, and some of them in particular, the final, let's be honest, had some really good football in them as well, and I think it's it's encouraging to see that actually when you take them take a moment to look at what's happened over the course of the season, there is stuff there that you can really champion and shine a light on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people obviously complain sort of the games being a bit one-sided, but a lot, a lot of these ones we mentioned that are closer, they've been sort of better, and we've enjoyed it ourselves. I mean, there's certain teams who say try and play football. I don't know if we've seen it all the season, that's been a running theme, but Johnston were a team that try to play football a lot of the time. It didn't always work, but it was good to see that there, there was um, some quality there on show from a lot of sides as well, and there has been in plenty of games. Um, we've seen every team over the course of the season and I can't think of any team that has just been, you know, I've just lumped the ball, even the teams down the bottom end, they have tried to play football, might not always have worked, but it's certainly been good and certainly it can grow again in the future and hopefully get more people coming to watch these games in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a big summer ahead, especially with some of the things that have been announced recently. But let's move on to the next category, and the next category is Best Moment of 2019. So this is the 2019 Scottish football, women's football season from when it started in February all the way up until the end of the Cup final. Um, let's just start that last one. So, Campbell, what has been your moment of the 2019 women's football season in Scotland? I mean, going away for the domestic game, the standout always has to be Scotland qualifying for the World Cup. There was done well to sneak past Albania in that game there was um, a very good scenes obviously for them and you could see the delight in the players faces they managed to get through 
obviously went out in typical Scotland fashion um, in Paris, but it was a great achievement for them there. Um, if you want to stick domestically, though, Claire Shine's winner um, for Glasgow City in the last minute, or the Scottish Cup a couple of weeks ago. For City, obviously, they're winning the league constantly, and people kind of want maybe a bit of a shock in that, but Hibs have done well winning the last uh, six Cup competitions before that one, so for City to win it in the way they did, again, it was just total joy for the players, and with a last-minute goal, and a very good goal as well for them to win it, it was a real standout moment as well, so that's probably the domestic one, but I think obviously the national side getting to the World Cup should really be the standout one. Yeah, I mean, it's the national side getting to the World Cup was history-making, let's let's be honest. We haven't managed that before as, as a women's national team. The men's side haven't done that for over 20 years, so that was a fantastic moment, and I still can see that moment when they realise that they've done it in Albania, and obviously they, they kind of start running onto the pitch and they've always seen the, the changing room afterwards. But yeah, I mean, that, that goal in the final, Stuart, you can't really dispute that, or can you? What's, what's your moment of the 2019 season? I've got two down, so I mean, starting... Overall, for Scottish women's football, I thought the Scotland-Jamaica game before going to the World Cup and having, again, we're, we're focusing on crowds a little bit, but I think that's because it's, it's so important to get people's you know, attendance at these games to help the game grow, to help the players grow and just and everything in general just move up. And the whole sort of anticipation for that World Cup, like Campbell just touched on a, a second ago, it was, it was buzzing. It, it, go for a, a nice kind of Scottish expression for it. it. It was absolutely buzzing before the World Cup and there was so many people jumping on board and it was just so positive. And then to get the attendance at that Jamaica game and I'm sure for the players playing at Hamden as well, as they said at the time, was a, a massive moment and a massive point in the, a lot of careers and, and young careers at that point as well. But if we're going to kind of look domestically, I've went a, a little bit different and I've got Celtic beating Hibs at K Park earlier in the season because... I think that was a real moment where I'd obviously come into this season with a bit of an idea from other people and what to expect from a women's season going. And I didn't really see Celtic turning up and beating Hibs that day. Um, they were without Joel Murray, which obviously would have played a big part. And I apologise to the Hibs supporters for naming this as a moment of 2019. But I think that was a moment where you're kind of thinking, are Hibs and City going to be split? And that was, that was a really big thing. And it sort of set up the way things went, it gave City a little bit of a, a breathing space at the top of the league and it just led to this kind of battle between Celtic and Hibs going for, for second place then and to make sure there's there's another contender up there fighting with them, I think it's a really big moment and it's something again that, that could prove to be a big thing and a big moment going into next season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair shout. Obviously, end of this season, Celtic and Hibs finished in the same number of points and Celtic are the only team other than Glasgow City to beat all the other competitors in the league, because obviously Celtic uh, defeated Glasgow City towards the end of the season. And I've gone for a different one, which is lovely. Um, but I'm a big fan of the fact that I've, I've, I let myself go last and I don't get picked up. And uh, I've gone, I've kind of tuned into what Campbell said about the World Cup and how that that ending was, oh, that ending was terrible. But but um, fast forward and fast forward to Halloween night, um, Glasgow City against Bronby goes to a penalty shootout and Lee Alexander. She said after the other game that this doesn't make amends, but in terms of a, a redemption story that everybody can put a nice narrative behind. We all know narratives sell stuff. Um, it was a really good one. She was a standout during the game. She was a standout penalty shootout. Um, and she's obviously been very key in the fact that Glasgow City have met the quarterfinals of the Champions League for the second time. And whether that happens again in the future, given the, the format changes, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll probably, as I said, do that in more depth at some point. But yeah, I think that that's that's the moment of season for me. But um, Campbell, I think it's as Stuart's mentioned that the attendance have mentioned it as well. I think your shout that Scotland qualifying the World Cup. I mean, there's nothing really that can beat that feeling, can it? No, it was. I remember watching the game and obviously I went ahead early on. You thought maybe a bit comfortable, and again losing the goal right on half time. You just thought that maybe this isn't going to work, but. Obviously, got back, as you saw, as I say, at the end of the minute, the full-time whistle went, and the players realised what they'd done. It was it was great for them, and obviously great for the nation as a whole, and it wasn't exactly the way they hoped the World Cup would go, but it's a great experience for every one of them, and hopefully Scotland can get into the Euros as well next year. Obviously, they've started well, and they're qualifying in 2021, so they've started well, and they're qualifying. Hopefully, they can keep that up and get to another major tournament. Yeah, fingers crossed, and it's over the border, so it should be nice and easy to get to, so providing, I don't know, some Brexit independent, who knows, the world is mad at the moment, but yeah, so hopefully that happens, um, let's let's move on to the next category, this one's maybe a bit more domestic based, but I'm interested to see what you lads have got, so we're looking for the MVP, so this is a player who 
without them, their team wouldn't have done as well as they have done. Uh, I start with Campbell last time, so Stuart, I'm going to fling it back to you. Who have you got as MVP this season? Jamie Lee Napier. Um, as one of those ones where I think just saying the name is enough to to kind of make you think that in your own head why she's MVP. I think you mentioned that at the, the top of the show uh, with the awards and, and, and winning Player of the Year. I mean, the the 15 goals that she got this season and just in Champions League and the way that she's performed throughout for Hibs, she's just been kind of ever-present. One of the first names in the team sheet as well and a constant threat up front for Hibs. And we all know that Hibs lose players um, when, they, when they go into seasons. You know, a couple down in England. And, I mean, Hibs lost uh, Kirsten Riley this season as well, didn't they? Um, going down, was it Bristol, Bristol City she went to? And just... There's always that holes in that Hibs team at times, and Grant Scott and you know the coaching staff they always have to be replaced. And I think with the goals that Jamie Lee Napier's had got them to obviously the the League Cup final as well. She didn't score until the final in the Scottish Cup, and then the 15 goals for SWPL one this season as well. She's such a popular player throughout women's football in Scotland, and one of those kind of well-known faces too um, that every, everybody looks towards in the media when they're, they're needing like, interviews or bits of snippets for things building up to a game. But I think what she offers Hibs, her goals, and just her constant threat up front is, is something that Hibs really can't do without, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Campbell, let's, let's talk about Jamie Lee for a little bit more because she has been one of the standouts of the season and we've talked about that already. But I think one of the things that maybe gets lost in translation when we talk about the men's game and the women's game is the, the time that players give to supporters. And I think Jamie Lee Napier in particular makes herself so available. Um, it's, it's really something to be commended. And I think if you are looking for the next the next Erin Cuthbert to emerge in terms of personality and what, what she might turn into. Maybe Jamie Napier's the best bet for that. That's a pretty bold statement, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, very possible. I know, obviously, a lot of the players make time for sort of younger girls and things coming to watch the games and kids that want to go and see them. And then, as Stuart says, Jamie Napier's always been interviews. She's on TV, the BBC things herself, and Sam Kerr quite a lot as well. And as you're saying, seems to be a fan's favourite with the Hibs fans too. So, I mean, it's definitely making time for them. And as Stuart already says again, it's just why his face is that becomes recognisable um, when you talk about women's football. And there's no reason why she can't um, go on and keep playing well for Hibs. And then, who knows where they're going to go? She's still on the 19, obviously, so there's still plenty of time to grow. Got into the Scotland squad um, just at the end of the year there as well. So there's there's certainly plenty plenty hope for Jamie and Apa. And who knows what she can do in the future. Yeah, and I think the thing about it as well is, and she's, she spoke about this, this herself this season, I think Grant Scott has as well, she's not even playing in her, her natural position, this is just where she is fitting into the, the Hibs jigsaw, so yeah, I'll be interested to see how she does going forward, but Campbell, um, Stuart's gone for Jamie Lee Napier, who have you picked as your MVP of the season? Um, I've dropped SWPL2 and I've went for Lisa Swanson, name of Kilmarnock, and Kelly, well, they weren't the worst team obviously in SWPL2, but Barring that sort of mid-season spell where they went through a great set, uh, went through some great wins. Sorry, they did lack a bit of consistency, but um, they just once and scored goals throughout the year. Got Kelly as high as fourth in the end, and obviously she was joint top scorer um, with Dion Brown and Hamilton in, in that league. So I think without her, they probably could have struggled a bit more. Kilmarnock, she's certainly been up there, always a sort of focal point for their attack, and in the end had a very good season as Kelly managed to finish in the top half. Yeah, I mean, goals, goals are important. As you mentioned, uh, she was joint top goal scorer with Dion Brown at the awards, and uh, she is uh, definitely somebody who's had an impact on her team. And I think the, the, the good thing about Lisa Swanson as well is she's obviously very passionate about playing for her team. Lots of, lots of the players are, but it seems to always come out a little bit more with her uh, in terms of, of FC Kilmarnock. So, yeah, uh, I think that's a pretty good choice. I've also gone to SWPL too, but I have gone um, to the Champions, and I've gone to Rachel Walkingshaw. Um, we've talked about a lot in the podcast this season how tight the how the SWPL2 title race was between Hamilton and Hearts. And actually, Rachel Walkinshaw has been, especially in the, the closing weeks of the season, has been key to Hearts getting that job done. Um, as well as going against Hamilton, uh, she did obviously spectacularly on a couple of occasions. In the uh, closing weeks of the season, she also scored against Glasgow Girls, St. Johnson and Partick Thistle. And that goal, particularly against Partick Thistle on the final day of the season, I think, settled some nerves that were still rattling around Tynecastle that day in front of a, a record crowd for Hearts women. So um, she's my choice. I think that um, she's a bit mercurial. I think maybe she could do even more. But at the same time, maybe that's what makes her kind of 
kind of such a good player to watch because you know that something could happen that maybe you don't expect to see every week. But yeah, I've gone for Rachel Walkinshaw. I think she has been leaned on maybe a couple of times to produce that bit of magic by Andy Enwood, and, and that's been done. And I think I think that's her, the fact that Hearts have won the league and she was nominated for the player of the season as well, I think is a, is a good indicator of that. Um, but yeah, I think that's three pretty good uh, Thirty three players. Uh, I think Amy Anderson is, a, is definitely a share. I think Hamilton are a different team without without her in it as well. But yeah, Jamie Lee and APR, Elisa Swanson and Rachel Walkinshaw, I think we can be happy with all three of those as being MVPs. And hopefully their coaches were happy with them too, because well, we've just said they were great. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one, which is biggest overachievers. And this is the first one where I regretted making it as a suggestion because I struggled a little bit with this. Not because I couldn't think of anybody, but I couldn't really quantify in my head exactly what I wanted it to be. So, Stuart, I'm going to start with you. Who were the biggest overachievers for you in the 2019 Esther, uh, Scottish women's football season? This is one of the questions that I think you've given us for, as an award category that I was absolutely struggling with. Because I, I don't really feel that anybody's surprisingly overachieved um, I suppose it depends what way you look at it because are you looking at it as it been a, a positive way to use the word or a negative way and that's what I was kind of toying with and I really don't think there's anyone that's deserving of the word overachiever in a, in a sort of negative sense I thought about Glasgow City I mean forgetting to the last day of the Champions League have they overachieved and I don't think so from the games that we've watched and we've been at and, and the draw that they've had they've deserved to win, they've deserved to come through the ties that they have. They've battled, they've fought, they've performed, and they've had the the draw on their side as well, you could say. But they're totally layered on merit. Um, Again, Celtic, I was thinking, because no one really expected them, or maybe a lot of people didn't expect them to be up where they are and, and to be level on points with Hibs and, and to have kind of pushed them all the way in the league season. But from the Celtic games that have been at this season, they absolutely deserve to be where they are as well from the performances they put in. I mean, they've run Glasgow City close and then they beat Glasgow City just a, a couple of weeks before the end of the season there. Um, a really tough one. So I, I'm, I'm, this is an award I'm putting back in the, the trophy cabinet for this year and I'm not actually giving it out to anybody if I'm allowed to do that. And we'll see what Campbell's... Campbell's pumped for. Always such a diplomat, Stuart, as part of your one of your redeeming features. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Campbell will definitely have an opinion on this. So Campbell, who have you put down <laughs> as an overachiever? And again, it's not a negative, it's like somebody who's done really well that maybe has exceeded what we thought would be good already. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've taken it as a positive and I've went for Dundee United, actually, who Along with Patrick Thistle, obviously, when he was promoted in SWPL2, the first ever season at that level, but United still managed to finish third in the end there. They were obviously, they won twice against the champions in the end parts, losing over that last game to two penalties. It was Elton Stewart were at up at everyone's favourite venue, the disc. Um, so, yeah, United, there was a few shocks, obviously, there in the early part of the season. It looked like maybe they were there or thereabouts, and then it sort of seemed to fall, well, maybe they were sort of bottom table sort of area, but in the end, fantastic first season for United there, and they finished up third. We know, obviously, they've got a good squad there, and there's some other new players possibly coming in as well, you would imagine, over, me, over the rest of the season, over the summer break, the winter break as well, sorry. So I think, yeah, United is a fantastic season for them up in there. We're hoping to go and push on again, but it's going to be a very, very competitive league next season, so it's certainly not be easy to repeat that feat. No, it certainly won't. And, I mean, Dundee United certainly were one of the teams I thought about as well, especially because one of the things about them is they have a very young squad. And as you mentioned, they've come up. Them and Partick Thistle were one of the teams nominated for SWPL Team of the Year. And both them and Partick Thistle have acquitted themselves very well. And I think you're right to say that next season it's going to be equally competitive in that, that division. I think Aberdeen are going to bring a lot to the party. I think Queen's Park are going to bring that level that maybe comes into that maybe bottom tier the division in terms of another challenge. Uh, that maybe you don't get from Hutchison Dale, let's be honest, at the moment, and what, what happens to them over the course of the season will be interesting to see. Um, I've gone down a similar vein, and I've gone with Motherwell. Uh, forget, obviously, some of the things that have happened well over the course of the season in terms of the last game for Glasgow City won the league. That's, that's by the by. Motherwell were promoted last season. They, um, they have finished mid-table. They have gone through... A couple of turbulent spells, I think it's fair to say. They started the season quite well and then they seemed to ship quite a lot of players. And at one point they were operating on a very small squad, but Donald General, to his credit, to his credit, it kept them going. They had the good Scottish Cup run, get to the semi-final. Obviously that, that ended uh, facing the Hibs at uh, Stirling. 
But I think, I, I know I've been critical of Motherwell at times, especially in terms of their social media proposition and how they use their one club ethos, but and how they maybe it doesn't tie into actually what they do. But I think that's that's going to be changing, which I'm, I'm all for. I'm looking to see how that progresses. But I think actually on the pitch, I think Don Jeremy's a lot crazier. I think it's also worth mentioning, Stuart, that for a lot of these coaches, they are not just the coach. They are also the media contact. They are also the, the match organiser. And this is one of the things that I know is in the works to change next season. But I think all the coaches have overachieved to a certain extent because of the fact that they have to do more than just be a coach in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, massive credit to, to all the coaches throughout, you know, all the leagues. I mean, we're not just talking about SWPL level, just SWFL level as well. And we saw a lot of the recognition at the awards night on Saturday and some fantastic jobs are being, uh, have been done down in the, the kind of North League, South Leagues and, and things as well and the development teams. Um, but yeah, the, there's a great deal of work that, that goes in that you don't really see sometimes behind the scenes and you don't really think about I mean, we're not talking about sort of a Sky Sports News style transfer deadline day for teams as well, I mean a lot of the, the negotiations and sort of the movement of players behind the scenes must be some some job to do as well um, and, and when you think a lot of people are doing this and amongst and alongside jobs and things there's there's a, a massive amount of credit that has to go to, to, to everybody uh, is in charge of a team and, and, and part of the backroom staff. And um, we'll just go back on what you were saying about the, the Dundee United thing there as well. I mean, the fantastic end to the season, just hit that bit of consistency and started to get results together and, and, and shot up the league. And, you know, that's how competitive SWPL2 has been this year. I mean, I made an effort, as you both know, to try and make a lot more SWPL2 games after the summer break. And, I mean, that was the one thing that I took away was just the, the fight and the desire from both teams. The games that I were at were, were so, so close and a huge amount of credit. And again, not just looking at SWPL1 for next year, that SWPL2 is going to be so tight again and pretty much anybody you could think could, could go and challenge at the top of that league next year. Yeah, and I think I think that's what's go- that is always going to make case. I think that's actually always going to be a selling point of SWPL too. So, um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think Glasgow City overachieved. I think it's a fair shout. Dundee United, Motherwell. But yeah, in general, I think it's just I think it's hard. There's a couple of examples. And I'm not going to name them because that's not the, the spirit of the podcast. But in general, there's been a lot of people doing more than maybe you expected at the start of the season up until this point, which is great to see. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to the next category, and I still have this as blank at the moment, so I'm thinking on the spot as we're talking, and that is the breakout star of 2019. I might get a bit tricky with this, so I apologise in advance, but Campbell, who's your breakout star of 2019? Um, I have went for Chelsea McEachern of Motherwell, who signed from Glasgow Girls obviously at the start of last season, and to make the step up to SWPL1, where she was, she was scoring a lot of goals from Motherwell, obviously got nominated for the Player of the Month as well at one point, was a constant use to defenders and help Motherwell finish sixth, as you say, in their first season up and get to the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. Yeah, again, so, I mean, a great season for Motherwell and Chelsea McEachern was at the heart of that for his, obviously one of the younger players in the squad, quite lightweight, sort of player as well, but she had a fantastic season, scored goals and in the end, I feel, did break out a lot and should be another important player for Motherwell 2020. I'm so glad you said that, Campbell, because I said to you earlier on this week, I had one and it totally, it totally went out of my head. And as soon as you started explaining it, it was Chelsea McCracken. I'll, I'll come up with another one, though. I'm not going to just piggyback on that like a, a joker. But yeah, I think she's had a great season. I think, I, you, see, when you watch Chelsea McCracken play, you can just see that her mind thinks like a really top-level footballer, the way she kind of moves out the part, the passes she makes. She's small, she's got a low centre of gravity. That's a bit of a cliche thing to say, but... There's definitely a, a really, really good player in Chelsea McCracken. And personally, I hope she stays at Motherwell for another season. I, I could see her slotting into one of the bigger sides, but I actually think if she has an opportunity to be the, the fulcrum of that Motherwell side for another season, I think she's going to come on leaps and bounds even more. So, yeah, that's a great shout. Um, Stuart, who's your breakout star of 2019? Diving into a league that we've, we've not really touched on too much, and I'm going for Ailey Shore of Aberdeen. Um watching a, a lot of or catching up on a lot of Aberdeen games and doing a lot of research before they played against Spartans um, she was a player that really stuck out to me um, just from watching highlights and you know sometimes when you're watching a game like Campbell's just said there about Chelsea McEachern and you've touched on what stands out when you're watching her play as well just Ailey Shore's like temperament and her control and just her patience and the way she was able to just see passes that sometimes 
I think can be underappreciated in football at any level. Um, and then in that Spartans game in the, the Scottish Cup, she was such a massive part in the middle of, of Aberdeen putting Spartans out of the Scottish Cup. And then something we've not touched on is they had an absolutely fantastic cup run, and that's something that could go down as a, as a moment of the season or a moment of 2019 as well. Um, Ailey Shore won the, the young player, I think it was a young player of the year award on Saturday night, or youth players. I remember her winning an award, and I remember thinking at the time that it, it was well deserved uh, because she, she really did stand out to me. Um, when I've seen her play in SWFL Division 1 and in the Scottish Cup as well. So going a bit different and taking my award uh, down to that league and, and giving it to Ailey Shore of Aberdeen. No, I think that's a great shout. I think when you look at the, some of the youth squads that have been getting made up recently, there has been more faces from Aberdeen. Bailey Hutchison's another one as well that was recognised at the award ceremony. So I think that's a, that's a very good shout. And obviously... There's a, there's a good tradition. You've got Rachel Corsi, the captain at the moment. She is up in Aberdeen. Rachel, I asked you if you wanted to come on the podcast. You've not replied yet. So I assume you're listening to this and you'll, you're going, yeah, I'll come on soon. So bear that in mind. But yeah, I think Ailey Shaw is an excellent shout. I'm going to go slightly different. Um, I, I'm actually going to think back to, to the emergence of Scotland as a national team in women's football. And I'm going to think about back to that game at, at Hamden against Jamaica. People who knew about women's football knew about Erin Cuthbert, people that kind of knew about women's football knew about Erin Cuthbert, but that moment when she scored that goal against Jamaica, that one that the SFA are punt as potentially a goal, a goal of the year, I think that was a moment where everybody went, oh, hang on, Erin Cuthbert's pretty good. Um, and I think having her now, you mean she was uh, awarded the Overseas Player of the Year at the, the awards, again, slightly hazy like Stuart, but I mean, Stuart wasn't drinking, so he should really remember, but um, but yeah, I I think Erin Cuthbert, actually, in terms of bringing women's football into a wider consciousness, I think she's really important. Um, she's very vocal on social media. She's, she asks questions, actually, that I think maybe go go missed. Like, she was asking questions about watching, um, watching I can't remember what game it was. It was, a, it was an SWPL game, and she was asking about trying to watch it, and she couldn't do it. It was a, a Scotland game. She was trying to watch it, and she couldn't do it then where she was. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Erin Cuthbert, I think she is going to be very important as a figurehead. I hope, with all the teams that are coming at Chelsea, and obviously Sam Kerr signing for them now, that she doesn't get lost in that shuffle. I don't think she will. I think she's got the personality to see that through. But yeah, I'm going for Erin Cuthbert. I think in a, in a broader sense, I think if you were to ask people who Erin Cuthbert was at the start of this year, and then ask them about, about who Erin Cuthbert was at the end of this year, the, the response rate would be far, far higher. But yeah, I think it's three excellent shouts, all for very different reasons, but all... Hopefully, really good positive signs for the future. Which I think you've got to give a shout to Eleanor Santoyo Brown. That's in the, the SFA goal nomination as well. That was the first time we see actually seen that goal, and that was a cracker just clipping the barn going down into the net as well. So I'm just not leaving her out domestically because you mentioned Erin Cuthbert. <laughs> no, I mean, you're fine. And also, the thing about it as well is also you've got to bear in mind that the under 19s hosted the European Championships this summer as well. So you had. Players like Jamie Lee Napier, Amy Muir graduating from that side and, and to, well, potentially being in the national team. And then you've got players like Michaela McElroney, Linus and Toya Brown are like the next generation. So fair shout. And as you say, you can vote for her in that award as you can vote for Erin Cuthbert. So go have a watch them and vote for a women's team. You listen to a women's football podcast about Scottish women's football. So we're going to tell you to vote for the, the female players. Right, we're on to the last one, and this one kind of leads into the last section of the podcast as well. Um, and what has been your best match day experience in women's football this season? So this is where you've been. I tried to maybe didn't position it fully earlier on, but where what match day have you gone to and went, this is something where I would I would take that person to um, if somebody said I want to come to a game of football. I'll start with you, Stuart, first of all. I don't have a specific answer for this one, and I'll explain why. And really, it kind of ties into something that I've got down for like for later on in the podcast to mention as well. Um, that when you go to a, what is a, an SPL level stadium, or sorry, Scottish Premiership level stadium, or something, like that, I just it's a massive step up. We saw it with the Tynecastle experience at the final. Um, I mean, you visited a couple of grounds um, throughout the season with Hibs in the Champions League. You've also got, um, you know, a couple of you guys have, have been to Hamilton uh, quite a few times. And that, that's a, a home game. Hamilton is something I've not actually made this season, which I need to get on the list for, for next year. But when you go to these stadiums and you get that experience, it just adds a little bit more. And I think it brings a lot more people out. Um, so I think when you get a match day experience... 
at one of these stadiums, it just raises it to a different level. And I know logistically or whatever, it might not be straightforward and easy to do for the organisers, but I think with the, the clubs and the teams that have got the, the link to the senior team or the, the Scottish Premiership level teams, that that's something that, that sort of needs to be looked at. Um, you can even look at Championship as well with Dundee United, that they just need to try and help out as much as possible with that match the experience and you never know if that World Cup had taken an extra bit of length into the journey or a, a little bit longer in the duration and we lasted and got out to the to the knockout stages maybe that buzz might have been a little bit more coming into the, the second half of the season after the break but that's in hindsight and you don't really know what would have happened but I just think that there are good match the experiences there because there's a lot of volunteers and there's a lot of coaches and backroom staff that do a great job and yeah, I don't think you could praise some of it enough like some of the people that we've met throughout the season uh, along may that continue and they need to be steadily involved going forward in the years to help things grow as well so there's a number there but there's one I can't single out but I think match the experience is something that every club just needs to keep on top of and keep looking at moving forward to help, help things grow yeah, I, I, we'll touch on this probably in a bit more depth later on, but as you say, I think holistically it's, it's something that's going to be in the forefront of everybody's mind. Campbell, who who have you got down as having the best match day experience that you've had so far this well, so far at the end of this women's football season? Going based on where the 16 teams play their home games, usually I've plumped for Hamilton Aki's just to head of Kilmarnock slightly, just simply because it's where they sit at both grounds. There's obviously... There's food and things there for a lot of people that maybe you don't get in the likes of the disc and places like that. Aki's obviously do very well to put on their thing to get match announcers and things. It all helps to the experience. Obviously, just Stuart there says, I've been at Tynecastle a few times this season as well. Obviously, it helps with your league games, Hibs, Champions League, things like that. Kilmarnock as well, done rugby part. There's certainly plenty of ground that are good for the air, but I think Hamilton and Aki's are always very good with the media as well. Whether that comes from a fan perspective, I'm not too sure, but for us, a lot of media going there, they're always very welcoming. And it was in a proper stadium as well. So I think you know goes back stands out for that matter. Perhaps not for the men's game, but when it comes to the women's one, certainly it's one of the better stadiums to go and watch a game in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I'm leaning towards Hamilton as well. And it's because when you turn up, you know what's happening and everything kind of seems to have a purpose. You go into you go into an entrance. It doesn't always happen, let's be fair. Um, and there's other grounds where you do that as well. But sometimes, I remember at the start of this season, you would turn up at some grounds and you would just kind of saunter in and Nobody really knew what was going on, and you just kind of walk over, and then before you knew it, you were sitting down watching a game of football, and nobody had really acknowledged that was a thing that was going on, and that was why people were there. Um, I think in terms of actually everything that, that's provided, I think Hamlet obviously ticks a lot of the boxes. Glasgow City do as well. What I will say is for both sides, please make sure these nets continue to get as far away from the, the pitch as possible. Um, I know Glasgow City have taken them down. Hamlet would have them sometimes, and sometimes they don't. I prefer them if they don't, and is one of the modern mysteries of, of football for me, why these artificial pitches need nets, but we've never needed nets in the past. Uh, but yeah, I think in general, my experience, I think, is getting better. Uh, but I will, and if I'm being honest, I'm putting my, my fan head, I, I go to a lot of football. And um, if I'm putting my fan head on, it's something I will continue to to highlight if I feel like it's maybe something that's not that great or I feel like something that's maybe getting phoned in a little bit. But there's definitely lots of good stories out there. So yeah, as, as we've already said, anybody who does and is involved in that, they will be doing what they can to make it as good as possible. And hopefully, they'll get a bit more support to that in the coming season. And I'll tell you what, sure, we're kind of bleeding into it, so let's do it. I asked you both to come up with three things that you would like to see coming ahead of next season. Um, we've already talked about it a little bit in terms of match day. So, Stuart, I'm guessing you've got a match day one in there. What's, what's your opener in terms of things that we would like to see next season? I apologise, Chris. I don't know if you could hear me, but you broke up there. Can you repeat that? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Um, I was just saying that, obviously, uh, we've got to the uh, end of the, the awards, uh, apart from one, which I've just... Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's just fired a wee message over, so that's lovely. I appreciate that. Um, there's Probably. one more award. We've skipped one. So we'll go, go back and do that one. Benefits of doing this as a podcast. Um, and that is the SWPL player who's yet to be capped for Scotland. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Campbell, I think it was you that gave the nudge. So would you like to give me your suggestion for a, a player in the SWPL this season who's yet to be capped for Scotland, but you think maybe is very close to me or should be? It wasn't me, I think it was Stuart. But to him, yeah, there's obviously a few players you look at, like Kirsty Howard's constantly scoring goals for Glasgow City. 
and yet to be called up there. Um, Jamie Lanepa and Amy Muir obviously having good seasons, managed to get to the squad. Jamie Lanepa didn't get any game time, obviously Amy Muir came out injured, but I've actually went for Michaela McElhone of Spartans. She's um, the under-19s captain for Scotland, but hasn't obviously not, get, not, not yet got a first-team cap. Um, she was April's SWL Player of the Month. She won the Coach Player of the Year for Spartan. She's been a vital player really for Spartan throughout the season. She's been had played multiple positions as well, and it's just seemed to get on with it really, and has been crucial in uh, in Spartan season whether that's been playing in midfield out wide sometimes as she wants to, or even hat back at centre back, which she's had to. So I think she's certainly a player that obviously the captain is in nineteen, as I say there, wouldn't uh, surprise me if in time she you know, makes a step up to the first team. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good choice. She's obviously done very well this season as well. Um, Stuart, I'll come to you since you're the one that, that gave me the, the nudge to say I forgot it. I did have them in order. I was scrolling through them. I must have just went by one of them. But yeah, who's your who's your choice for this category? Yeah, Campbell mentioned uh, my award for this one would go to Jamie Lee Napier. Um, I think that speaks for itself again that she was on the, the fringes of it this season. Apart from injury, she might have had a cap, you know, an A-team a or senior team cap, whatever you want to call it. She was so close to it um, and just things didn't really work out for her. But, you know, again, it kind of falls in line with me putting her down as MVP because she's integral to that Hibs team and the success it they're going for and, and the kind of achievements that they've made this season as well and, and individually and personally I think you know it just she stands out and she just seems one of those players that's just rising and rising in ability and potential and she'll probably just take all the experience and all the minutes under her belt and just keep learning on her game and growing it and like I said she's got so many goals um, to her tally this season as well uh, a real threat and that's something that every team's always looking for to add to add goals because it's goals that win your games so I think it won't be long until you see her get the, that cap and she's probably the closest one that's uncapped just now to, to getting that first senior appearance for Scotland so I give my word to Jamie Lee Napier I'm so glad you started talking about goals here um, Stuart because that leads really nicely into the player I picked which is Kirsty Hewitt who Maybe maybe she'd feel a little hard done by in, in some of the recent calls. Now, obviously, players like Jamie Napier and Amy Muir are very much for the future. But Kirsty Howe is not like an old player. She's she's still got a lot of time to go, and she still has the potential to go even further. She was a top goal scorer in SWPL win this season, 23 goals. She scored 32 goals across the season. Um, it's not even so much that she scores goals, but she scores different types of goals. And in the big game, she can modify the way she plays She plays the game as well. She, she does a lot of the channel running, especially... Uh, her partnership with Claire Shine, where maybe Claire Shine will be maybe more the focal point, and and sometimes they'll, they'll switch that round, or one will take the flanks and one will take the other flank, and they'll maybe spread the spread the play a little bit. So, I think for me, Kirsty Howitt, it feels like she's a little hard done, but I don't know if it's just because of the situation she's been in. I think she maybe has come to the fore a little bit later uh, than some other players. But I, I think when you look at some of the players getting called up, uh, called up just now, especially in that striking role, I think Martha Thomas is a an exciting prospect. I think she is somebody who, when fit could do a job for Scotland. We look at Jane Ross, and Jane Ross is a, a great player. She's great at holding the ball up. But she's slipping at the pitch at the moment at Manchester United. She is starting, but Lauren James is really the in-vogue player down there at the moment. So I think it would have been good to see Kirsty Herrick. I know just in recognition of the volume of goals she scored this season as well, but I think I think you can kind of see which players are going to come. And I think, I think you're both right that probably the, the next one to kind of make that SWPL breakthrough will probably be Jamie Lee. But... I'm willing to see who else comes along. Now we've dealt with that bit that I kind of missed out. Apologies for that. We'll go back to what we're going to talk about for next season then. As I said, I've asked the boys to have a wee think about three things that we'd like to see happen next season, even ahead of next season, uh, in a way to obviously make the make the game even better. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Stuart, you, you called me out for missing something out. I'm still going to come back to you first, but I'm nice like that. So, Stuart, what is your first suggestion in terms of what you'd like to see ahead of the 2020 women's season? It must be a night for missing things out. I've just realised that I've also got Sarah Ewan's name next to, to Jamie Lee Napier there for the player yet to be capped as well from our earlier youth days at Scotland. But uh, apologies, Sarah, for not giving you a mention, as I meant to there. But um, looking into the, the three the things you'd like to see happen, I think for the sake of the conversation and bringing it up earlier before, I'll, I'll, I'll take that for the, the first one just now, is that more club involvement, um, where to start really, is that you've got a full season ahead and there's a, a huge opportunity there 
to build up the new season when it gets to that point after Christmas, after after New Year's out the way, to just start the momentum going. And I think every club has a bit of a duty there to to use social media or whatever to try and, and just get that momentum going before the start of the season. There'll be an opportunity to to try and get more interest, more involvement and it may feel a bit better for, for some areas or some social media people to not be trying to do that while coming in halfway through a season where there's like a summer break or the World Cup's been happening and to do it from the beginning of a season. And maybe there'll be an opportunity to then sort of have a, a, a more of an overview or, or oversee a lot more of what's going to happen in a season rather than just coming in halfway through. Um, I think there's, there's if you look at that SWPL1 for next season, I mean, you're going to have Harps, Hibs, I mean, Glasgow City speak for themselves as a club, but I'm just looking at the ones that I've got, a senior team um, that have social media that could help to promote. Celtic Rangers there as well. There's going to be some big matches in that league next season, and I don't think there's any excuses to try and get the ball rolling and, and get some real momentum and some real speed from the accounts or the official accounts of these teams. And I think Hibs have started doing a little bit recently where they get like a a women's player along to, to the first team games on a Saturday just to try and promote it a little bit. I think there's so much there um, and obviously someone would be crazy to ask me what all the ideas are because again I don't know what the ideas um how easy it is to put these things in progress but I just, it feels like when you're thinking about it in a simpler point of view or a simpler perspective that there are things that could be done and I'd like to see a lot more of that especially in the build up to a new season. Yeah, I mean, but I'll tell you what, Campbell, because there's, there's probably a few things about match day that I know I have. So is there anything you'd like to expand on that Stuart suggested? Is there anything you'd like to add in terms of that, that match day proposition? I mean, obviously, I think we all kind of want to see the crowds get bigger. And again, as Stuart says, that, that kind of sort of comes with a lot of people playing at bigger venues. But I mean, it is tough, obviously. You've seen Hearts have had two games at Tynecastle with just under 2,000 uh, combined at the two games. But... Still playing in huge, huge stadiums that do still seem that bit end. So as much as it's great for that, you'd want the crowds to grow. Um, it's, it's tough for obviously people. A lot of people still kind of skeptical of the women's game, but hopefully you can see that kind of grow and you'll get more uh, folks along to watch it. And again, just as Stuart kind of points out, just a bit more social media output, just trying to get people along, different sort of uh, offers and things, just anything really that can sort of increase the crowds and increase more folk coming along, uh, come and watch these games and see what quality there is actually on offer in the women's game. I just wanted to add, Chris, that that's no negative sort of point on what's happening at the moment with, you know, a lot of the, the guys that we said earlier are in charge of coaching, in charge of the team, doing the media side of it as well. And they do a really good job in what they've got in front of them to keep people updated and, and sort of generate some interest and, and communicate with the, the fans for, for these teams. But I just you know feel like there's a, a bit more support could happen from the actual clubs themselves just to help out or just to offer a little bit more or to help you know share the, the responsibility of it. Um, I mean, th- these clubs have got so many followers and so many, you know, so many views and, and things that look at the content. And it won't be just like things like Twitter. You have like Instagram and things like that as well. And... You know, it's so easy to see on social media. It's so easy to be part of, and and everyone can be involved in it these days. I just think, again, not saying there's anything bad about what's happened this season with the people in charge of social media. I just really think it clubs owe them, all the people that are doing it just now, and and can do a bit more to help out and support, and just take a bit more pride in the fact of the the sort of one club motto, motto and having everything under the the one banner, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as you say, I think people that do the jobs and we, we, we praise people that have been doing the social media jobs a lot this year. I think obviously Glasgow City have, have a fantastic team that, that do that and the, the stuff they put out. And I think maybe I'm going to go into that a little bit more because there's some great social media numbers for women's football teams. But actually, when you go to the game on a Saturday, it's on a Saturday or a Sunday, there you go, it's part of the problem. <laughs> if, if you go to a game on a Sunday... Those numbers don't don't bear out. You have obviously massive organisations like Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, Hibs, Motherwell, Kilmarnock, St Johnson. All all these kind of teams are are pretty big entities in their own right in Scottish football. But yeah, when you get there on a Sunday, that these twenty thousand Twitter followers, these fifty thousand Twitter followers, ten thousand Twitter followers, they they don't they don't turn into people in the stands. And I'd like I'd like maybe clubs to just have a wee think about why that is and if there's something that needs to be done to kind of draw those people in or if it's just a case of we're happy that that's the way the profile works we are working in an ever-changing world at the moment and the fact that maybe what is normal of going to the game is maybe not the normal for the future maybe this is how people keep track of clubs I think as well 
in terms of the matchday experience itself, I am a big fan of matchday calculators. So I ripped this off from Durham uh, ladies, who the Durham Women FC, who do one uh, for the Scottish Cup final. And I think that's to just tell people how much it costs to get into the game and what you can expect when you get there is a, a massive thing. And sometimes, unfortunately, that's not the case at the moment. And I think that's something I think actually maybe centralised needs to get done in terms of bringing it all together with, with the league and the organisation to try and make everybody sing off the same hymn sheet in terms of this is the expectation and this is this is what we want to see. And I know things like matched elegance are coming in to kind of help with that. But it's certainly something I'd love to see. And the other thing I'd love to see in terms of this, attracting more people to the game, because that's the main thing, but obviously we've got some other things we want to talk about in terms of the match days, cross-promotion with the, the men's club. So I, I, I go to Ibrox, um, and I don't ever really hear Rangers women games getting announced for the next next day, if, if that's the case. Um, I know when I went to Scotland Kazakhstan game, uh, before the game they had one of the DJ uh, boards going around advertising the William Hill Scottish Cup, and yes, that's an SFA competition. Mm. But there was nothing for the cup final that was the next that weekend as well. And yeah, the cup final was part of Scottish women's football. And there was this weird relationship between Scottish women's football and the SFA. But the SFA are very reliant on the Scottish women's national team to help build their brand as as an inclusive brand. And in in that respect, why was there not something on Digiboard just for that one run that the Women's Health Scottish Cup got for that final? And in that respect, I'd love to see more of that kind of. By the way, if you're a Dundee United fan in the area and you want to go see Dundee United, women, they are playing tomorrow at X venue uh, and go see it. Um, so that's that. That's kind of my my take on on that in terms of what can be done. But there's lots of things that can be done. As people, as Stuart said, there's things we might even have thought of. There may be things happening we don't even know about yet at the moment. So fingers crossed it's all going to be very, very good in, in, in that respect. Campbell, what's your, your next one? I'm conscious that maybe R3 is now just going to turn into one big blob. But <laughs> have you got another one? Just an extra point on what you're saying there as well, actually. I mean, I mentioned a lot of teams, not really the same thing. Only United actually are one of the only teams that do. I mean, you on from the men's account at the start of the week, you'll get who the first team are playing, who the reserves are playing, who the under teams are playing, and who the women's team are playing, which is a lot better, obviously. You certainly know where they're going to be, but again, a lot of, just in a lot of clubs don't, so it would certainly be handy to put that out. But my final one is one more from our point of view, and... A lot of teams have certainly been very good at it, but not every game where you turn up, you're looking for team lines, just team lines and things like that. People come across, it's kind of, not, not so much as a welcome because we, we know kind of who we're going to speak to now anyway, but when we turn up to games, you'd, you'd be handy if a team come up and say, this is who we're playing, this is our team sheet sort of thing. Just make it our life easier and save us chasing folk around and you're also trying to record the game, trying to report the game, sorry, trying to time the game as well so you know what's happening when. It's, it can be a bit of tough, a bit tough for the three of us if we've found out throughout the season. It would be great if we could have that sort of sorted out and just make life that wee bit easier for us, really. Yeah, I think team mind is a good shit. And it's not even just for our benefit, but it's for the, the benefit of the people that are at the game as well. Sometimes people are turning up and they'll know who's playing because they are a regular fan or maybe they, they know where the players. But there'll be other people turning up maybe for the first time. And when you turn up to a game of football for the first time, you, you kind of want to know what's going on. And sometimes, as, as I wanted to tell you, you don't. Uh, and especially if you're going to follow a, a team in particular, you're relying on, you'll mainly be relying on your team's information to, to get that across. So, yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Stuart, have you got anything else to add? No, nah, I think the only other thing I could maybe think of is that I think one of the biggest things that, well, what we're, you're speaking about with team lines, and one of the biggest things that we should be trying to grow in, in women's football is the involvement of, you know, young girls that want to get involved in football or are involved in football and want to connect more with these teams as well. I mean, when when I was younger, it was so easy to, to get a programme for a pound or a pound fifty, look at the names and numbers in the back of that, have a poster in the middle with a player on it that I could go and stick up in the, in the room and then idolise that one person for, you know, years and years or every time I went out and kicked a ball in a field with my mates. And I think just something like that. We, we've got like Scottish Cup games, the semi-finals, the finals, and things where there's programs made and there's some really good content in there. But it's really hard if you, if, you, if you're like a family or a younger girl that's going to say one club's game every week and you don't have access to something like that. And I just think like just a little thing like you know things have changed since I was a kid, obviously. But like a poster or something like that, I would just it created a link between the team or the player and yourself, and it, you know. Going back to my childhood here, but like you know, dreams of making it as a as a football player or anything like that, and I just think it's those little things that need to be picked up on, and 
um, it's not sent, sentiment's probably not the right word, but just that connect really, um, just little things like that. And I think that's you know it doesn't always have to be a massive step. It could just be a little step and something like that as well, and just really you know communicate and, and connect with younger fans and, and the people making it along to your games. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. I think the thing as well is that some clubs are very smart with how they use digital in this respect. Um, and there are teams that do digital versions of stuff, and I think that's I actually think that's fine at, at this point. I actually don't mind the fact that sometimes a team will go up on digital instead of having to get a paper copy because, you know what, sometimes that's just easier. And when you consider some of the budget constraints some of these teams have, I I think there's there's smarter ways of, there's smart ways of doing it. I think you're right, though, to get um, young girls interested in the game. On, on that thread, and I've got a couple before we wrap it up, and we are three three guys on this podcast. We go to a lot of games. A lot of the people we speak about the game with in Scotland are mainly male. I'd love for somebody with... And there is a couple. Let's, let's give shout-outs where it's you. Heather Dewar, Kath Etto, or a couple, for example. Um, I know um, one of your, your student classmates, Campbell, also does some stuff for Glasgow City as well. But when you look at the kind of... And I hate doing the comparison, but I think it's necessary... When you look at the kind of the, the voices that cover the game down in England, it's a predominantly female voices, and there are males who do, go in and do that. I would like to see a couple more kind of come out, come to the fore. And I've always said I'd love to have somebody who's that passionate about it come and be on the podcast and talk about it as well. I think the other thing I'd like to see, and Stuart, this is a, a nod to something that happened with you in the last week or so. BBC Alba's great. They've done a lot for Scottish women's football. They hosted the awards. They put games on that nobody else is going to put on. They host national team games as well. It's, it's great to have the coverage and we want to see even more of that, obviously, in the future. I would just like to see an English language alternative to make it more engaging for people. Um, I, I'm invested in it. And we're all invested in it. So when we watch these games, we will watch them. But whenever you... I, I, I don't know what it's like, but whenever you watch a game that's not in a, a language, if you like listening to the commentary... For example, it's quite easy to get taken out of the moment um, in that regard and kind of let your, your eyes wander. And when you've got this BBC Scotland channel and you've got STV as well and we've got digital, I mean, we've also covered some of the, the games online as well. So I would love to see something that, that brings it all together, whether that's a highlights package, we're using the highlights that are available and then actually maybe that coverage incentivises other teams to make sure that they have highlights ready. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what, but I just think there needs to be something that actually, if you are a women's football fan in Scotland, you have something you can hang on to and learn from um, easily without having to download the new Gaelic version of Duolingo. But that's not to discredit what uh, Alba do. It's fantastic work. I'm just thinking big pitch about how you try and grow the game in Scotland. I think that's that's pretty much it. So before we finish up, Campbell, we'll come to you first. What's your overall feelings now at the end of the, the, the women's football season in Scotland? Um... I think SWPL1 was sort of comfortable during the end for Glasgow City. The relegation as well was sort of eventually settled quicker than you would have hoped. So it was a bit disappointing there, perhaps. SWPL2, though, is obviously the exact sort of thing you'd want to see. It was competitive. It went right down towards the end of the season as well. And hopefully that's what we're going to see more of in both leagues over the next few years. Obviously, there have been a lot of developments in teams already that I'm sure we'll touch on before the next season starts. So just hopefully... It will continue into next year and the game will keep your own. So it certainly has done. National side have obviously done very well as well. And just hopefully we can just see everything come all in the one. And next year we can have another positive year in, in the SWF. And Stuart, how, how do you sum up the 2019 that was Scottish women's football? Sum it up as a roller coaster, you know, from the start of the season when I started to take an interest and, and, and get involved with, with you know, reporting and, and having. Um, you know, a day out on a Sunday to take in a couple of the games and the quality on show was fantastic. You had the, the momentum and the buzz of the World Cup to take you through to the summer as well. And then you had that, you know, devastating 20 minutes or 30 minutes or so in the Argentina game that just brought it a bit back down to earth again. And, you know, it just it took a bit of time to get over that and just couldn't really believe it unfolding before your eyes. And then you come back to the... The, the domestic season, we had a, a couple of shocks with the Scottish Cup. We kicked things off again with Glasgow City against Tibbs, which was, you know, looking towards the where, where the title was going to end up at the end of the season as well. And there's been plenty of excitement, plenty of drama, 
plenty of quality on show and it's been a, a fantastic season overall and I think for one for me to be involved in as well it was an absolute pleasure and privilege to be to be involved in it and, and the way I was and I can't wait for, for next year. It's just been keeping an eye on all this transfer activity on social media as well and all the changes that are happening to to get ready for next season. So that there's no rest, is there? It's straight, straight on to the research and straight on to keeping an eye on what's going on for a, a view to, to February kicking off again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that. I told myself, obviously I've said at the start of this, I'm in Madrid at the moment, I told myself, I'm going to, I'm going to just women's football, I'm just going to give, give it a bye for a few days. I'm going to... You know, have a wee refresh, but I'm going to Atletico Madrid Femenino this weekend. Uh, I have been keeping track of all the transfers, obviously, putting stuff out over the league. The line has been using the Champions League and obviously lots of clubs changing personnel. But yeah, I think I think it's fair to say it's been I think it's been a great season. People, I think, focus sometimes on the negatives too much in women's football, but it's a season of growth. We've seen some really big attendances. Hearts have broke records. We've had a modern era record in the Scottish Cup. Hamlet have had 200s, there's been kind of big numbers. I mean, Hibs went to Pennycook and got over 300 somewhere that's not even their quote-unquote territory and got this big crowd on what was a horrendous night in the middle of uh, middle of summer. Um, so, yeah, I think there's lots of positives. Scotland are obviously still doing very well. I've said it a million times now, but if you are so fed up with watching the men's side, watch the women's side. They're actually good, which is, like, you know, nice to see. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Campbell, Stuart, thank you very much for, you know, for coming on the podcast, for being banter merchants over the course of the season and obviously for everything that we all do um, for Scottish women's football. Uh, Camel, I'll let you say goodbye and give a wee plug to anything you're looking to do over the course of the winter. Um, I'm looking to keep warm first and foremost, given all the calls. You know, but, but no, it's obviously we've had a good year, Kristen, and all of this as well since we started back in February and just hope we can get more of that again. Um, I'm sure you'll put all the Twitter handles and everything like that on the podcast when you put it out as well. So I just follow us on there. It's a lot of the United stuff, which you'll maybe fed up with by the end of it. But yeah, it's been a good season. Just encourage more people to come and watch the games as well, get people to come and listen to this. So just anything that folk can do to try and improve the game as well as we're trying, please do so. And we'll look forward to speaking to you again in February. Yeah, and, and Stuart, what's your plans for the next couple of months as well? Uh, we'll just be keeping busy and, and trying to take on all the, the football that's going on. I mean, obviously, the, there's a, a lot of sort of national football coming up as well. You know, we're going to be keeping an eye, a close eye in Scotland. There'll be a lot of chat about the, the Nations League playoffs to keep an eye on as well. But, I mean, just want to finish it off the, the podcast by saying that anybody that's maybe got involved over the last couple of months or got along to that Scottish Cup final at Tynecastle and... It's maybe just a bit disappointed that it's, that it's went to the end of the season when they've just got involved recently. Then keep in touch, just keep on on social media, keep in touch with what's going on over the next couple of months. I'm sure there'll be a lot of changes, a lot of exciting things to keep an eye on. And once Christmas and New Year's out the way, the season will be back upon us again. And there's a, a, a massive amount of quality on show from the first teams. There's a lot of great young players coming through with so much potential for you know even at a national level as well with under 17s and under 19s. So stick with it, keep in touch with it. Keep involved in women's football and, and get ready for that season kicking off at the start of next year. What a rallying cry. It's like you've taken leaves out of my book. But yeah, thank you, everybody. Um, and thank you to anybody who's taken the time to speak to us over the course of the season. And I don't include just in the podcast. I'm talking about at matches or giving a bit of feedback. It's really appreciated. And hopefully next year in 2020, we'll have the biggest Scottish women's football season yet. But for now, thank you very much for listening. And we'll speak to you again soon. Don't make me smile